Well, good morning, everybody. So uh, you might notice we have a little different uh, uh, process this morning. We don't have a sermon. We have a panel. So I, I'm really excited about this. I think you're really going to like it, even though uh, Pastor John did skip town. I'm sure it wasn't because of this. So let me, uh, let me just introduce our panel. First, we have uh, Sid Postma, Dr. Sid. He always, uh, when we have prayer requests for medical issues, he lets us know what we're actually praying about and sometimes gives us a, a diagnosis as well. So and we have uh, Tim Davis, who's a longtime uh, church member in, in the leadership, uh, partner in one of the consulting firms downtown. And, and anytime Tim's in the room, he always seems like the, most, the smartest guy in the room because of his accent, I think. But even when he's wrong, he seems like the smartest guy. And we have uh, Al Lopez. Uh, Al is uh, uh, CEO of Best Christian Workplaces. Uh, he's got a, a book coming out uh, pretty soon, and, and he's a kind of an international podcaster. And he's, on top of that, he's a very humble guy. But I think he's, he's most famous for being married to Kathy and also being uh, a member of our small group. So, And we have Dan Brannon, uh, who's a pastor's kid, a missionary kid, a pastor, a missionary, and he's been in uh, international student ministries for, uh, for years. And, and Dan is a kind of the go-to guy for like a practical example of how the Bible works. So um, without further ado, let me uh, just, uh, well, actually, let me just talk a little bit about the, our, our uh, small group because we, we uh, well, I didn't introduce myself. Does anybody? <laughs> Everybody already knows these people. They probably don't even know who I am. But, so I'm Kevin Scheid, and uh, I uh, try to keep the time and ask the questions and cook the oatmeal for the small group. And this is all part of the small group. So uh, it, we have got a lot of other members out there, but we meet on Saturday morning around 7.15, and, uh, and we really get into the Word. We read the Bible, and then we have a lot of very rich perspectives on, on uh, what that verse is. And we went through the Beatitudes about the same time it was being preached. And uh, <clears throat> we just wanted to kind of share that uh, because there's, uh, there's a lot more understanding and application that you, you, you find in a small group. So we wanted to share that with the entire congregation. And uh, what we're going to be doing is we each picked two different Beatitudes, and we're going to just talk like two minutes on them. And... Uh, so there'll be, we're not covering all the Beatitudes, and there's multiple people going to be talking about some of them. Uh, but we, what we want to cover is what does it mean, and how do you live it? So uh, we wanted to start out with Sid. You got the first one. Hi. Uh, part of the reason why we're doing this, I think, is to pitch the idea of in-depth Bible study. So uh, one of the things I would like to draw your attention to as we go through these Beatitudes is pay attention to the verb tenses. Uh, so the first one is, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So you might notice that that's in contrast to some of the others, who are, uh, many of them are promises. So it's X shall Y, not X is B. Anyway, am I making that clear? So anyway, pay attention to the verses, uh, to the tense in the verses. Uh, so this one is kind of unique in that it's, I think, rather than stating a promise, it's giving you a fact. So blessed is the poor in, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, so what does that mean? Uh, I have a cross-reference that I think contributes to that. This is uh, a verse from Isaiah. 
um, hopefully that will appear on the screen, says, uh, uh, for this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy, I live in a high and a holy place, and also with a contrite and lowly of spirit, to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So I think that's part of what it means to be in poor in spirit, is to recognize that you have nothing to bring to God, and he has everything to bring to you. And with that attitude of humility and openness, you can experience God's work in your life, his reviving your spirit and his encouragement. Um, so I think that's part of what it means to be um, <clears throat> poor in spirit. So what about the fact that this is your being part of his kingdom? Well, I think as we experience God's p kingdom, uh, excuse me, has experienced his presence, we become aware of the fact that we have a new allegiance. Uh, we have a new citizenship. And because of that new allegiance and new citizenship, um, <clears throat> we are... Um, free to be part of his kingdom and can have our vision and allegiances aligned with his. And because his kingdom is something that's going to last forever, we have the privilege of participating in something that will go forever. And I think that's worth our lives. And of course, the challenge, of course, is how do we live that day by day? Yeah, thanks, Sid. So, uh, yeah, we all have different perspectives, and we haven't uh, actually coordinated. We don't know what each other is saying. So. Uh, a lot of these things are be a little different. So, so I look at that verse, and uh, I, I try to interpret it literally. So poor in spirit is mean like when your spirits are low, so you're depressed, you're discouraged, or whatever. And, and that's a temporary thing. So you're blessed right when that's happening. How can you be blessed when you're depressed? How is that a blessing? It doesn't seem to make sense, but, but it does when you think about it. To me, that means that God is more available to you. There's less between you and God. You need God more. You realize that. You have access to God. And, and so how do, you, how do you actually apply that to your life? And, and to me, when I get down and depressed, I look at, okay, there's a blessing here, and that's the access to God. And, and I've got to the point even now that uh, I kind of look forward to the next time I'm going to be depressed. And just like I'm looking forward to finding out what Tim says about the next. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Um, so we're going to, Al and I are going to cover verse 6. Um, and as we set this up, Kevin was coaching Al. He's like, Al, you better go second so you can say what Tim meant to say was. <laughs> or I think what Tim means is. So let me read verse 6 for us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. You know, and, and as I think about this, I mean, it could have, he could have said, blessed are those who seek after righteousness, but he didn't. He specifically used the term hunger and thirst. And, and hunger and thirst is, is a, doesn't really translate, particularly not here on Mercer Island. But if you think about back then, hunger and thirst was something that was pretty common. And it, it was something that just sort of gave you a sense of urgency. It was when you're deeply hungry and thirsting to the point of death, it's almost like a fever. It's just a passion that fills you. And I think he was trying to convey the, the sense of urgency that he expects, that God expects for those to seek after righteousness. Um, and then, you know, righteousness... There's two ways, I think, to look at that. One is your own righteousness, where you've been wronged, right? Where you're seeking justice. 
But I think in this context, he's also referring to it as global righteousness, the righteousness of God's people. And to s blessed are those who hunger and thirst after global righteousness, the righteousness of all people. And the acknowledgement that that hunger and thirst may not be fulfilled while we're, we're on you know, this side of heaven, and that the faith that in all fullness of time that will be fulfilled. Um, so it, it's a passage, I think, that should also fill us with hope while we're living in this current age. So, Al, over to you. Great, Tim, and I'm, I'll give you a little different perspective. I, I love that, um, global righteousness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And as I think about this, I think the, the first question I ask is, what does righteousness mean? And as I've uh, looked at it, uh, and for many of us, we think that righteousness means being moral or having good behavior. But I've come to understand it as maybe something even more dynamic than, than being moral or good behavior. I think of it more as being something more dynamic like a force field, an energy-charged sphere of holy presence. And if you think of God, I think of energy. So to be righteous, so that in the righteousness of God, as described in the Old Testament, means to be directly connected to this field, this vibrational field. Do you think of God as a vibrational field of energy? So to be anchored in God's own aliveness is another way of thinking of it. There is nothing subtle about this experience. And believe me, I've, I've felt this. It's a fierce bond uh, that's kind of like picking up an electrical wire in some ways. Do you feel God that way? Like when you f uh, pick up an electrical wire, it's kind of like being connected to God is the way I look at it. So. To hunger and thirst after righteousness speaks to the intensity of our connectedness with God. Jesus promises that when hunger arises within you, you can only be satisfied with your connectedness to God. In fact, the hunger itself is a sign of the bond that's already in place. Unlike other religions, God is, in Christianity, seeking after us, and we respond so as we enter the path of transfiguration, the most valuable thing that we have is yearning, is this hunger that Tim was talking about. So where do we connect with God? The heart is the organ of alignment. It connects us. Yearning is the vibration of that connectedness. Many of us are old enough to remember when we first would connect to the internet. Remember that? Bing bong. Well, the are we connect? You know, do we feel that connection much like we heard as we connected to the internet? So, you know, I, I remember the uh, the quote Ted Turner was said. Uh, that acquiring wealth and prestige is like climbing a very high ladder, reaching for just an empty paper bag. How many of us are yearning hunger for something that we're not finding fulfillment for? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. And I'm gonna then go to the next one. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they will see God. So do you remember the movie City Slickers? In that season, Cowboy Curly looked over at the character played by Billy Crystal and uttered the epic line, Do you know what the secret of life is? No, he said, what's that? One thing. Well, that's great. What's the one thing? Billy Crystal replied. But aren't we all searching for the one thing? For the answer to the question? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This may well be, at least for me, the most important of all the Beatitudes, and perhaps the most radical. Up to this point in the Bible, who ever saw God? Well, Moses saw God, and he would come down from the mountain, and his face would be radiant from, from the experience of seeing God. Elijah would look for God, and, and uh, finally it was the, the gentle whisper of God, and he had to pull his cloak over his face because he didn't want to even see the face of God. And now Jesus is telling us that people with pure hearts can see God. So what is purity of heart? This is not about our efforts toward morality or purity. It's not our good works. But purity means single, singleness, the one thing. Blessed are those whose heart is not divided, whose heart is an undivided whole. Single-minded devotion. According to Jesus, transformation takes place in the heart. The heart is the center of our mind, will, and personality. And when the heart becomes single, then it, it's when it desires the one thing only. You can experience union with God or experience the presence of God. How? Is often how I often ask it. Well, somehow, when the heart becomes single, the rest will follow. We are instructed to see the face of God. Paul wrote, Jesus is the invisible image, or the image of the invisible God. I believe Jesus is inviting me and he's inviting us to experience the only source of true satisfaction for our yearning hearts, the one thing. To see God, there is no greater joy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. All right, thanks, Al. So Dan and I are going to cover the next one. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And you know, this is, um, you know, throughout the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus is revealing God's constitution. Um, and it just, each one of these is a radical transformation of what was accepted at the time. And, and this one certainly, where the common wisdom was you had to fight for what was yours. You had to protect it. Um, you know, a wrong could not go unrighted. Um, and this role of a peacemaker was really just foreign. And, and, you know, a lot of people would have thought, well, if you're a peacemaker, you're someone that just avoids conflict. And I think that's exactly what he's trying to say. Is he's not meaning we, you, a peacemaker avoids conflict. If anything, what he's saying is a peacemaker engages in conflict for, the, for God's cause, for his ministry. He engages in it not because he just 
he, him, he, you know, he or she self does not like conflict, but also not because that person doesn't want to see others fighting. It's for something even greater. It's for, as the verse goes on, for they will be called sons of God. So it's the reason that we're called to be peacemakers. I think that's important here to understand. It's because we are all sons of God. And because we're sons of God, we uh, are called to live in peace because we have a father that is greater uh, than the, uh, the thing that we are fighting over. So, Dan, let me help it to you. What Tim meant to say was, no. <laughs> Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Blessed are those who choose not to retaliate and fight back. Blessed are those who decide that peace is a better outcome than revenge. Blessed are those who seek to build bridges rather than walls. Blessed are those who determine not to take matters in their own hands, but to release them for God to handle. Blessed are those who respond with a gentle answer, for they shall have a happy home. The message puts it, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. So I realize I've lost my chance to be nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize because I can't even keep my grandsons from competing and fighting over everything and anything. Recently, my wife and I offered to share some of our thoughts with a neighbor about reconciliation between her and her daughter. That offer has not yet been accepted. A few months ago, an article in the newspaper announced that a large home in our community was purchased by a group called Queer the Land for a communal home for queer, transgender, black, indigenous, and people of color. We have made efforts to extend welcome to these new neighbors, and we're not sure where that's going to take us. Our objectives may be peacemaking, but there's no guarantee of success. And then the final Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Yes, there's no assurance that our efforts at peacemaking will succeed or that any other way that we seek to live out the culture of the kingdom will not result in pushback or persecution. In our years of campus ministry with international students, our greatest opposition has come not from international students of other cultures, worldviews, and religious backgrounds. Our greatest challenges have come from university administrators who do not appreciate our efforts to share Christ's love with these students. As this climate of hostility increases, given the trends of our culture, we must be ready for blaming, shaming, and ridicule that will come our way. We will be labeled as intolerant, bigots, haters, you name it. 
Antonin Scalia, the late Supreme Court Justice, is quoted as saying, God assumed from the beginning that the wise of the world would view Christians as fools, and he has not been disappointed. If I have any thought for you today, he said, it's this. Have the courage to, your, to have your wisdom regarded as stupidity. Be fools for Christ. And have the courage to suffer the contempt of the sophisticated world. Again, as the message puts it, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they're uncomfortable. You can be glad when this happens. Give it a cheer even. For though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you're in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. Kevin and Sid, you want to add to that? Thanks, Dan. You're a hard one to follow there. But we're, uh, um, Sid and I are, are really going over just verse 10, focus on just uh, uh, persecuted for righteousness. If you put that up on the screen, thanks. And uh, so let me tell you a little story. We were discussing this in our, in our small group, and uh, we're, we're looking for well, how are people being persecuted today? How do you see that today, and, and how do you respond to it? And, uh, and we came up with the, uh, the baker in Colorado who refused to bake the cake for the, the gay couple and then went to the Supreme Court, and now he's back in court for another issue. And, and, and all of a sudden, uh, Bill O'Brien, and some of you remember Bill, he moved away, he's in Kansas City, but he still meets in our small group. Uh, he, he says, uh, why, why couldn't that guy just said, hey man, I love you, I'm a Christian, and uh, what you're doing is wrong, but I'm gonna bake the cake because I love you and because I'm a Christian. W would that be different? And, and, uh, and it really hit me that, uh, you know, this doesn't really apply if, if you're wrong about something. This is about being righteous and being right. So I'm not sure wrongness is, but, but uh, you've got to make sure you're kind of on the right side of things first. And, and how, do you, how do you apply that? I mean, everybody thinks they're right all the time, and you can really abuse this. You can think, oh, people are persecuting me because I'm, I'm the, you know, right and you're not. Uh, so how do you do that? How do you deal with that? And, and, and just going from what Bill said, uh, lead with love. If you're being persecuted and you hadn't led with love, maybe you need to re-examine that. And, and uh, you know, personally, I'm kind of an opinionated person, and so I've kind of moderated some things since I've, I've kind of gone over that. You know, uh, is that opinion really, does that lead with love? And I, I think that's, you know, how it's affected me anyway. Sid? Uh, I just was thinking about this verse, and I just want to give you a little perspective, my perspective. So, again, this is one of those verses that's in the present tense, oddly enough. Um, well, part of it anyway. It says, uh, blessed are those who have been persecuted for, their, for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And um, I got to think about that, and I, I think that someone who has been persecuted for the sake of righteousness is someone who's recognizing that there is a king and that the king of the kingdom of heaven has ultimate authority, and he's subject to it. 
And uh, with that subjection, he is uh, free to be um, his servant. And he's free from other voices that are around him. Uh, he's free in that his emotions and heart are attending to uh, pleasing the king. Um, the other freedom that goes with that is he has a clarity of focus because he knows who he's serving and what his goals are. And it's kind of like the hymn, um, Blessed Assurance, perfect submission and all is at rest. Uh, since this person is perfectly submitted to the king of heaven, um, the voices that are around him, um, potential diversions, uh, conflicts, uh, they're not part of his, his emotional makeup because his emotional makeup is at rest because he's perfectly submitted to the king. Um, so one of the things I thought of when I was thinking of this verse was uh, I don't feel like I've been persecuted much, uh, at least not that I know about. And um, <clears throat> I think that comes by way of confession. Uh, I think part of the reason why I don't get persecuted very much is that I often do not attend or certainly not uh, yield to the Holy Spirit in daily life. And there's a part of me that feels like, um, you know, I would desire the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, but there's a duplicity in me and that I don't often attend to him daily. So uh, appreciate your prayers. That's part of our small group is uh, recognizing our shortcomings and praying for each other. Thanks, Ed. That's a good wrap-up. And, and I think you can see from this uh, there's a wide variety of uh, perspectives that really enrich the whole the word. And I, I hope this is uh, worthwhile to you. And I would encourage you to, uh, to join a small group and, and maybe engage in a, some uh, discussion like this that takes the word and takes it into your life. What a gift to be gathered together this morning and a gift to hear from these men and a reminder of what it is to do community together, to be in the word with one another, sharing perspective and giving one another a bigger picture of who our God is. Amen. So church, please receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance and give you his peace now and forevermore. Amen.